You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. This is the Thunder Quack Podcast. The official podcast of Thunder Quack Podcast Network where anything can happen. So strap yourselves in and hold on to your butts. It's Thunderquack time! Hello and welcome back to the Thunderquack podcast, the official podcast of Thunderquack.com, which you can get early, uh, not every Wednesday, uh, every Thursday at this point, but eventually every, at some point, uh, in the week, but then a week <laughs> later, uh, you can get it early on Patreon, and then a week later, everywhere else uh, uh, that you can listen to podcasts. I am one of your hosts, Michael Cohen, and I'm your other host, Amanda Conkin. Uh, and uh, and tonight we're gonna talk about all sorts of geeky stuff, but mm-hmm. uh, but namely, uh, we're gonna talk about the Ghostbusters Afterlife trailer as well as I I, I give our spoiler laden review of uh frozen we gave some brief spoiler free thoughts last mm-hmm. week but uh but this week we're gonna go we're gonna get right into it uh with full spoilers and uh and review that movie um and i'm sure with uh the rise of skywalker a week away um that Yay. we're gonna talk a little bit about that as well but uh yeah let's uh let's let's start with ghostbusters afterlife so uh, Amanda, you did watch the trailer, right? I did actually. I it was a lot of fun. I didn't. I wasn't like. I knew that it was coming. Like I know that we. Because actually, like while I started watching it, I was like, <clears throat> "Wait, they're making the Ghostbusters." Like, oh no, no, no! I remember us talking about this a long time ago about how this is like a, like a like in the future, <coughs> like it's like now, but it's like the original franchise and all that stuff, and that it. I don't know. It has a very Stranger Things vibe to it, which I'm all about. I'm very happy about it. I it's really interesting to me that everybody goes directly there. I understand why because Finn Wolfhard is in the movie. Not even because of that for me. But uh, I I, I don't get a Stranger Things vibe from it. Um it, except in the sense that Stranger Things borrows from Ghostbusters in a lot of respects. So, um it's like a the, it, there's like a weird cyclical thing there, but but it's to me it's it's a it's just a little bit it's a little bit off like that assessment it it kind of rings a little bit hollow for me because it's almost i don't i know you don't mean it this way but i think that a lot of people are saying it in a very dismissive way of like oh this is just like a stranger things meets ghostbusters uh-huh. and it's like actually um it's a ghostbusters movie told in the appropriate style which is the style of an 80s movie um, and this one happens to, at this point in the, with what we know from the trailer, um, uh, it, it, the trailer centers around these two kids and marginally features their, their science teacher and, and the mom is in a shot or two. Right. Um, but, uh, a, that's not the complete picture of the movie because we know that the uh, that the three remaining Ghostbusters are in this movie, um, we like that's not a spoiler. That's not a rumor. 
all three of them are signed on. Dan Aykroyd, I, 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 oh my God, Ernie Hudson. I, I keep blanking on his name for some reason. I just go to that. Like I have a hard time because I go directly to their characters' names. Um, right. And uh, and Bill Murray. Um, all three of them are in it. Annie Potts is in it as well. There are rumors that Rick Moranis might make an appearance, uh, but at least I, I guarantee you there will be a reference to Lewis Tully. Um, so like that would be that would be your core cast from the first two films. Um, well, and then and then Sigourney Weaver. Um, I, I don't know. I don't think that she's signed on at all. Um, <clears throat> but I, I to me it's saying that they they I uh, they this trailer gives a stranger things vibe is is like it like i said it just kind of rings a little bit hollow because um it's not that it's that it gives off an 80s movie vibe and and that's what stranger things is all about so it, it like i i kind of get it but at the same time like i i think stranger things put together a pretty specific flavor with the way that it mixed stuff up um there are a couple elements of it that that I actually think are a lot more uh, Karate Kid. I think there's actually a little bit of Transformers, and I mean like the recent Transformers movie elements in there. Um, <clears throat> but uh, the whole like when Finn Wolfhard is is narrating at the beginning of the trailer and saying like, "Oh, we're broke, so that's why we had to come here." Like that's not exactly, but it's very similar to uh, to the to to the the beginning of karate kid where it's like they it's the mom narrating in in that but she's like explaining to him that like oh we're gonna move out to california and start a new life and it's gonna be great you just wait and see what's it's gonna be great and yeah. i think we'll probably end up getting that uh from the carrie coon character um the Who's mother the, oh the, the mom. Yeah, yeah. yeah yeah um <laughs> and uh <coughs> um yeah, like I, it, it, th- there's gonna be more to it than just the Stranger Things element, like just that, just that vibe. But, but the element of like that element of it is more like to me, it actually feels a lot like, like I said, the Karate Kid thing, but also uh, Lost Boys, the 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 vampire movie, um, uh, with uh, with uh, Kiefer Sutherland, right? I, 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 there's just there was something about the tone that really kind of like matched that, but the whole like, like new kid in town, um, sort of like, like, like at the beginning, you can kind of tell in the trailer, it's like the beginning of the movie when he makes a bunch of friends at school and then they take him to this, this, uh, whatever it was. And it's like, Oh, what are we doing here? Oh, it's just, we're just entertaining ourselves. But it's like, you can kind of tell that there's a little bit of a hazing thing probably going on there. And then something actually happens. And then we don't see any of those other kids in the rest of the trailer. We just see uh, uh, Finn Wolfhard and then the and then the two younger kids in the rest of the trailer, which makes me think that like uh, he's going to like get isolated and and then go in and work on the car and stuff like that. And so, um, yeah, I don't know. Like like there's there it's I think it's very easy to say that it's Stranger Things inspired, but um but I think it's like the, the, the actual logic there is that is that it's just going to feel that way because Stranger Things is so heavily influenced by the movies that this is going to draw from. 
um, like I said, Goonies and Lost Boys, uh, Karate Kid, um, like Adventures in Babysitting, all that stuff from the 80s, the the John Hughes and um, and like the 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 Steven Spielberg produced stuff, like all all of that sort of stuff, um, I think is going to is going to come out in this. And then I think the other elements of it will just be straight up Ghostbusters. Um, people are saying that they, they're excited to see Paul Rudd in it and they want to see him as a Ghostbuster. There's the moment where the, where what sounds like a terror dog, the, the, the dog monsters from the first movie, I, I puts its paw, like, like is basically standing on top of his car and we kind of see the big talon paw crush down on the car and he's terrified inside um that to me indicates that gozer is going to use a terror dog to and use him as the 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 key master um in this new in this new plot i think it'll end up being him as the key master and the mom as the gatekeeper um and uh and 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 them and gozer trying to come back to earth to get to get revenge on the ghostbusters um and we'll discover throughout that that that's why egon came to this town in the first place um that's why that's what happened to him that's where like that he's dead and and like this is all speculation based on what's in the trailer but but he's dead and that's why um uh, th- like that that's what led to it is is him investigating um well, the the mine that they go into there's a sign over top of it that says shandor mines and yeah uh, uh, ivo shandor is the one who built the building that dana lives in in ghostbusters the, that dana and lewis live in um <clears throat> so like there's there are all of these very obvious connections back into the original movie and uh, I, I think it's I, it, the the plot kind of lays itself out if you if you read into those clues, I think. And the Ghostbusters will show up and they'll save the day and everything will be great and save the day, yay! <coughs> yeah. So um, I don't know. How do you feel about it being a movie about kids? I again, I've talked to you sort of about this like independently whenever we talk about Ghostbusters. Is that like I don't have any original affinity with the original movies like I am totally just happy with it being sort of just a good fun time and and I'm not particularly like swayed either way so to me it's just gonna be an awesome fun time I think for me that's where the Stranger Things vibe comes from is that it's it's gonna be a movie about kids fighting something that's kind of terrifying because in my brain like ghosts are pretty terrifying so Mm -hmm. I'm just like looking forward to seeing that and that's and and I'm I'm okay with it I think because I, there's a precedent in my brain for that having happened, right? Where it's like, mm-hmm. I, I know that that can happen because it happened in Stranger Things and it was fine and it worked, right? So, I think I think that's why that's why I go there and associate it with that. So yeah, I I get that. It it just to me, I think <clears throat> that that when that sort of idea comes up, I. I don't know. It's just I think probably just because like you weren't you weren't really hooked into that part of the culture yeah. back in the eighties and nineties. Um, but I think probably because because of the fact that I have a brother that's five years older than me, um, like movies like Lost Boys and and Goonies and stuff like that. Like I was watching that stuff at a at a 
way younger age than I should have. Um, like I always talk about like my brother, <clears throat> when I was like seven years old, my brother rented the first Leprechaun movie because uh-huh. being five years older than me, he's 12 and I'm seven. And at 12, it's fine to rent a horror movie, but at seven, I would disagree. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I think yeah. it's fine. Um, yes, it is. <clears throat> But uh, sorry, I, I, I'm going to apologize because I'm going to be like clearing my throat and coughing a lot because I just I, I've got this weird like chest condition. It's not a full on cold. It's literally just in my throat and it, it's it's driving me nuts today. But um, yeah, like I grew up watching all of those types of movies. Um, and so to me. And I think it's probably why I liked season two of Stranger Things more than a lot of people. Um, because I think a lot of people wanted season two of Stranger Things to be season one of Stranger Things again. <clears throat> and that's what season three was. Season three was one season one again. Um, right. But what, what I really liked about season two is that it actually went off into these different directions to explore these other 80s genres. Um, like when when uh, uh, Eleven goes off to um, <clears throat> to to the city or whatever and meets that group of punk kids, and that's like that's a that's going into a totally different genre of eighties movie um, and and uh, different type of sci fi genre stuff um, from the very like Spielberg I I. I like safe sort of John Hughes eighties movies that they explored in the first season. Um, mm-hmm. And I really like that stuff, but, but to, cause they went into like sort of the grittier sort of more like off the beaten path stuff like scanners and, and that sort of thing um, uh, in, 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 in her storyline. Um, and that's probably not like stuff that's not as mainstream. So stuff that isn't as, um, because I one with Stranger Things, I think one of the interesting things about it, it's fine. This is becoming a Stranger Things conversation, but <laughs> that's why it's the Thundercrack podcast. Um, I think with Stranger Things, one of the most interesting elements of it to me is when I talk to people who really like it, <clears throat> and they 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 definitely connect on the right level with all of these different elements of it, but. But then you talk to them and you go like, well, yeah, you know, like that's actually inspired by this. And they go, oh, I've never seen Gremlins. Right. And you're like, oh, because like that whole plot with Dustin in season two is like that's Gremlins. Like they just took Gremlins and they put it inside the season of Stranger Things and obviously changed it uh, influenced by their own story. Um, the Duffer brothers are actually like, I think that their, their brains when they're writing stories work very similarly to George Lucas because it's the same sort of thing where it's like George Lucas, everything in star Wars is a ripoff of something else. He's just so good at, he crafts a world and then he takes this thing from over here and brings it over into star Wars and then goes like, okay, but now it's star Wars. And so that changes the story. Like it, but, but that kernel of inspiration is still there if you know that it's there, right? Like all of the, the Akira Kurosawa stuff, the, the, um, the spaghetti Western elements, like there's a movie called, um, it's called Red Sun is the translation, but it's actually called Soleil Rouge. Um, I, and it's about a samurai 
who comes over to America and I uh, I and and essentially has to team up with an outlaw cowboy to 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 rescue uh someone and 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 save the day or whatever right but it's a cowboy movie so it's it's a little bit more gray than that like a western movie but um the relationship between those two characters in that movie is uh very very much the relationship between obi-wan kenobi and han solo of like like here's this samurai and he has this code of ethics and this way of living and the cowboy doesn't understand any of it and just kind of mocks him at every turn and that's totally the dy- dynamic between those two characters but like that's just he just takes that piece and puts it into a movie the the duffer brothers do the same thing with 80s movies where they just grab something they grab a piece of ghostbusters and they just shove that into their story or they grab a piece of of uh, the thing and they shove that into their story and by the end of it you've taken so many other things to influence your story you've created characters with their own um like three-dimensional backstory and 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 motivation and once you've done all that now you have something that resembles a completely unique story with all of these great inspirations but but the but that interesting element where people like they vibe on things that i also vibe on um, but for different reasons, they just think that it's really good storytelling or they just really like that element or they might think that it's actually influenced by something else. Um, because what they're talking about is the thing that was actually influenced by the first thing. Right. So right. it's, it's just the, like, there's a weird, like cyclical thing there. But, um, I, I suppose that's probably just like my, I, I very specifically my film screenings class from from film school coming back of, 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 uh, it's me being kind of browbeaten when I'm like, Oh yeah, that's like this. And then everybody would go like, actually it's like this thing. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, so like, I, I don't like, I, like I, I, I understand the, the, I don't want to call it a knee jerk reaction. Cause I don't, it like that kind of miscategorizes it, but like the, the, so it's, it's a very, it's a very easy conclusion to come to. Yeah. It's like, oh, this is like this is inspired, influenced by Stranger Things. But I actually like because of who's making the movie, mm-hmm. I don't think that that's an accurate picture because it's being made by Jason Reitman, who um, amongst many other qualifications, like having written and directed Thank You for Smoking, having directed Juno um, up in the air. Uh, he's a great director on his own merit entirely. And I mean, like, obviously nepotism plays a part in him even getting those opportunities. But I think that he's managed to earn his place um, in Hollywood. Uh, he, he took advantage of that opportunity and, and, and has made some really, really great films um, and contributed to a lot of other really great films. Um, but he's also the son of Ivan Reitman, who directed the first two Ghostbusters movies. So like you're like, and Ivan Reitman's not really, I don't think that he is credited enough with, um, with the actual sort of genius of, of the Ghostbusters movie. Um, and it ending up as great as it did because the script that Dan Aykroyd originally wrote was insane. Um, and it's again like drawing a parallel back to Star Wars. 
George Lucas's original script for Star Wars is bonkers. It's like it's not a good story. It needed edits. It's it's all three movies in the original trilogy with a little bit of the prequels added in there. Um, it's just like it's a mess. It's a total mess of <laughs> like here's an idea, here's an idea, here's an idea, here's an idea, and the best thing that happened to Star Wars is that he was given less time, less budget, and told to like rein it in and like trim it down to a to like by other people before it even got to 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 like the script that he was really shopping around um like it was like pare it down pare it down pare it down to the point where he got to okay i'll do one episode and i'm going to take it out of the middle of the story <clears throat> and it'll just be about the death star right it'll just be this right. section that's the hidden fortress um in the same way like ivan reitman <clears throat> basically went back to dan Aykroyd and was like because the original plot for for ghostbusters takes place way in the future like i mean it was 1983 or 84 a movie come came out in 84 i think so like this would have been in like 82 83 probably that they're talking about this um and like it was supposed to be like a futuristic sci-fi new york where i i for some reason now there are ghosts everywhere right and uh, and I'm sure that there was some scientific techno jargon of like, oh, yeah, because of this type of uh, energy, this unlocked this thing. And now there are ghosts everywhere. Um, but uh, but like Ivan Reitman's one of the people who came back and was like, no one can make this movie like this is bigger than Star Wars. What you're asking for is like it's like it's, it's like Blade Runner, Star Wars and and a million other things all wrapped into one in terms of like production cost and, and all that sort of thing. Um, so let's set it in modern day <laughs> and that automatically changes a lot of that story. And then the other element was that Jim Belushi or sorry, not Jim Belushi, John Belushi died. John Belushi was supposed to play Venkman. Oh. And then that, that ends up like then uh, Ivan Reitman who had worked with, Bill Murray and Harold Ramis previously on Stripes right. uh, said, because Harold Ramis was already attached, he had helped uh, basically with the rewrites and, and, and getting the movie down to a more realistic scale. Um, because Harold Ramis and Bill Murray were so great in Stripes and it was a successful movie, that was now something that they could use if, we, if they could get Bill Murray on board, they could then get this movie greenlit and get get the get get the money that they needed to make it on the scale that they that they could make it and what they ended up doing and so like all of that kind of comes together and ivan reitman's really responsible for a lot of that as well as the 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 great storytelling beats that are in it because if you've ever seen dan Aykroyd in in an interview like a a candid interview especially in the last few years um he goes all over the place. Like he, he makes our tangents look like, like brief, you know, just like a one sentence, like, like brief detour. Yeah. Yeah, Dan Aykroyd is um, like, he has uh, the mind of a genius, but it's, uh, it's, it's definitely tempered by like an inability to kind of focus. Um, and uh, and and I think like uh, in recent years that he's talked about like like they they 
um he maybe he feels maybe he's he's uh was undiagnosed with uh, uh autism or something like that um like asperger's or something like that um and that's why he is the sort of like that's why he thinks outside the box and uh and comes up with ideas like ghostbusters and that sort of thing um and why it was so outlandish when it originally uh, uh when he originally conceived it because he just anything that came into his mind he just put into the script right um but but as you do. yeah yeah exactly you know, um, here <clears throat> great yeah um but jason reitman talks about it a lot he grew up just like surrounded by this phenomenon that was ghostbusters because uh people might have a hard time remembering it now but at the time in the late 80s and early 90s ghostbusters was as big as like it was it was kind of like in in from my perspective it was three things. It was Ghostbusters. It was He-Man and She-Ra. And it was the Ninja Turtles. Like, those were the three biggest things. Because they had the best cartoons. They had the best toys. Like, that's what mattered in the world of 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 kids um, uh, back then. And, and then eventually it would switch over to Spider-Man, the X-Men, and Power Rangers. But before that happened in the, in the sort of, like, 92, 93 uh in in those years prior to that there wasn't anything bigger than ghostbusters and ninja turtles like those were like the pokemon and and uh i don't know what's what's cool with kids these days i don't even know fortnite i guess i just go to fortnite i don't like kids don't watch tv they just watch youtubers play video games it's true i'm not knocking it i'm just saying like it's it's so difficult for me to relate because i don't I can't understand why you wouldn't just play the video game yourself. But anyways, I, uh, yeah, like, and, and Jason Reitman grew up surrounded by that world and directly connected to it. And he talks about it that like, it was overwhelming at times because he was also that age. Like he's a little bit older than us, like a, like a few years older than us, but not much. Um, like, I think he's probably closer to my brother's age. I, but like he was the right age at the time to be all about the Ghostbusters. So he was, I mean, he's in Ghostbusters too. Um, There's a scene where they have a birthday party at the beginning and the Ghostbusters make an appearance at it. Uh, And, and uh, the, the kids are uh, like, none of the kids care because the Ghostbusters are an old thing and whatever it happened years ago. And now it's not relevant. Um, and then the kids all start singing about He-Man. Uh, and uh, and there's one older kid who's who's like who says that they're like deadbeats or something like that. Um, and and that's Jason Reitman. So like he's in one of the Ghostbuster movies. So I think he's he's very qualified to make a Ghostbusters movie. But on top of that, like he gets he understands the influences and the tone and the type of movie that it should be. Um, and I, like, I think in a similar way to the, that the Duffer brothers kind of harnessed the, the storytelling of the eighties to make stranger things. He's going to do a similar thing with this movie. Um, so I don't know, maybe you're right. I guess it is stranger things with Ghostbusters. <laughs> um, but the most important part of all of this is that, uh, 
similarly to the 2016 movie, you've got a great cast full of very funny people, uh, very good actors that that uh, that that are going to give good performances. But what this movie has and that movie didn't is a director who cares about Ghostbusters. Um, cause the, the, it's really clear in from the 2016 Ghostbusters and from all of the press that Paul Feig did when he was asked if he researched like, like how much research he did when, when they wrote Ghostbusters, uh, what's it answer the call? I think is the, the, like the, the subtitle that they gave it, which is just awful. Um, and that wasn't, that, that's not him. That was Sony. Sony put answer the call on it at a later date. Um, to differentiate it from the other ones. Um, but we just have, I just always called it Ghostbusters 2016. Um, but when he was asked it, like how much research he did, he was like, I've seen the movie. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. But like, did you watch it recently or <laughs> like, and if you watched it recently, was that the first time that you saw it? Or like, have you seen it more than once? Have you, have you, have have you talked to to anybody that was involved with the original other than like when they were on set and you were already filming the movie? Because to me, it's like there's there are so many fundamental things that they just that they just they don't bust ghosts in that movie. At no point do they bust a ghost. They ca- they get one ghost into a trap, and then they go back and they're like, "Well, now we've got a ghost in a trap," and it's like. There's only to... half of a story here because you're supposed to have a containment unit to put it into because otherwise you're just going to end up with a whole bunch of traps sitting around. Like, like you can't, you can't just have parts of the fact that they're Ghostbusters. There's like a mechanical component to it that is all very, very well thought out. Again, <laughs> because Dan Aykroyd is like, he, he has like a labyrinthine mind full of information about if ghosts were real, this is how you would capture and contain them. Um, and, and that's all in the first movie. And it's like, if you didn't, if you weren't taking notes, then yeah, you're going to forget about the containment unit and you're going to forget that they, that they don't, the proton guns, like they don't blow up the ghosts. They, they lasso the ghosts so that they can put them in the trap so that they can put them in the containment unit. Otherwise you're just shooting ghosts with laser guns, which is fine. If that's the movie you're going to make, I just don't think you call that movie ghostbusters. That's, that's just, that's ghost blasters or something, right? Like it's, that's a different thing. So, uh, like that in some ways, but sure. I get, I get your point. Sorry. I, I missed what you said. It's a little bit like semantics that you are agreeing. No, over. yeah, yeah, but uh, no, I'm like I'm just saying that like Ghostbusters yeah. has like a, we talked about this back in 2016. Like there's there are a few things that you would need to do in order to maintain that it's a Ghostbusters story. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just like look at two movies that are really similar, okay? Like or two two properties actually. I'll go movie to TV. Star Wars and Battlestar Galactica. Not the new Battlestar Galactica. I'm talking about the original 80s TV show. The 80s TV show is totally meant to be a TV version of Star Wars. But it's not Star Wars. And there are there are very identifiable reasons why it's not. Not trapping the ghosts and putting them in a containment unit 
is the same as not having the force in, in, in a star Wars story. So if you were to make a star Wars movie that, that outright, like just ignored that part of the story um, of, of that world, then you wouldn't really like, why bother telling a star Wars story? You may as well just go make an original sci-fi concept, right? Sci-fi fantasy concept. As actually, I mean, like then you're just sci-fi. If you remove the force, then the fantasy element leaves Star Wars, and you're just shooting laser guns in outer space with spaceships, right? Like, um, and that's also cool. Battlestar Galactica is also cool, but right. it's not Star Wars. So, like, there are just those elements of like you can make a story about. There are other properties where they catch ghosts. Or, or not catch up, but like deal with ghosts and that sort of thing. So, but they're not Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters is like there's a there's like a there, there are these certain elements to it of like the fact that um, that that they're basically just like ghost exterminators. Right. So like how do how, how does an exterminator deal with a rat? Like they poison it, I guess, sometimes. But nowadays you use a lot of humane traps and you remove them and you take them somewhere else. Um, you try and deal with the problem, like the infestation, instead of just going in. Like, if a if an exterminator came into your house with a flamethrower and started shooting at at ants with a flamethrower, you'd be like, "What the hell are you doing?" Like, <laughs> I mean, uh, or yes, you're, you're yeah, that's yeah. Fair. So I, I don't know, I, but to go back to 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 the the what the new movie looks like, I. It, I say all of that to say that like that that sort of like almost cavalier uh, uh, approach to doing a new Ghostbusters movie, which felt to me like we got to use the license or we're going to lose it. Like it, it kind of felt like one of those moves. Um, this feels like uh, uh, in, in the in the exact same way that The Force Awakens felt like oh we're coming home to something like it's and when you come home like the the saying you never go home again but when you come home there are familiar things but then things have also changed so i think that's one of the reactions that fans have to stuff like this is that they they the nostalgia brings them in and then when they realize that nostalgia is a, a fantasy like that it's ephemeral it's a feeling not a reality um and that you can't go home again they get really mad and they go on twitter and they say that the last jedi is the worst movie ever made um which <laughs> which like I, you can have problems with it it's just ridiculous to say it's the worst movie ever made because i mean like ghostbusters 2016 came out that's a much worse movie than the last Jedi. I'm not saying that that's the worst movie ever made. I'm just saying on a sliding scale, like if we're going to put everything together, uh, grading on a curve and all that sort of stuff, like there are much worse movies, but because people have, uh, uh, these nostalgic feelings for things, they go into it and, and, and they get, they get mad when it's not, when it, when it doesn't meet those expectations. Right. Um, but 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 I, I feel like this movie's gonna it's gonna it'll satisfy rational fans um, but I uh, my friend uh, Carl who uh, hosts the Wampas layer podcast he's a big Ghostbusters fan as well because he's also 
in his mid thirties, uh, and and uh, a, a a a white man. So uh, it's hard to find one that's not a Ghostbusters fan um, <laughs> that grew up in North America, right? Um, he I uh, he and I were having a, a sort of back and forth on on Facebook after I posted the 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 trailer. And he was saying stuff and I was like, yeah, this all seems really familiar. Like we've been like, this is, this is old hat for star Wars fans who are also ghostbusters fans, because this is just, this is just 2015, 2014, 15 repeating itself right down to like, you can tell that this trailer, the the ghostbusters afterlife trailer that they very clearly used the force awakens trailer as a template. There are even like musical cues and pacing, and I haven't seen it yet. I'm sure if you went on YouTube and searched it, there are probably already videos where people have gone like, "Here's, I, uh, I, uh, um, like both both trailers side by side," um, because yeah, it's uh, it's it's they are staggeringly similar in in sort of like their, uh, the main beats of both trailers and there's like that one musical cue that is the musical cue from the force awakens trailer from 2014 but uh that's not a bad thing if you're gonna if you're gonna copy someone that's a good person to copy that's a good like uh method to copy for bringing something back after 30 years i love how much you love ghostbusters you just like talk about it with such like reverence, which is just kind of cool and like weird stuff that I would never know. So <laughs> thank you for diving into that. You're going to like <laughs> with this movie coming out, you're going mm-hmm. to know all of this, especially now, because now we have the Thunderquack podcast in 2016. We didn't have the Thunderquack podcast, right? We had uh, other stuff sort of on the periphery uh, to talk about, to talk about Ghostbusters in in 2016 and you and i definitely had conversations probably even on quiver um and maybe even in other places but i i but now we've got the thunderquack podcast which means every time a trailer comes out i have a podcast to talk about ghostbusters on and that's why the thunderquack podcast exists this is this conversation is like the thesis for why we're doing this and i'm not doing quiver if green arrow and the canary and 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 the canaries gets picked up because i don't want to be stuck talking about that show i want to talk about everything else cool that 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 happens my hope is that is that with ghostbusters doing this and like sort of having this about face um after after the misstep in 2016 is that um everybody who's got the rights to all of the other things that have already had their remakes their their modern remakes like Transformers and Ninja Turtles, that they now get a second chance to go back and 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 redo. We got a little bit of that with Bumblebee, but I want them to really get an opportunity to just start fresh, like mm-hmm. just just pretend like those other movies don't even exist, and let's just because it's very obvious to me that the audience that goes to the Transformers movies doesn't really care about the story, so you don't lose anything by scrapping that history and starting over, but by scrapping that and starting from a fresh place that is a little bit more reverent of the original source material, you'll win back a bunch of the people that didn't go to the fourth and fifth transformer movies. And then the people who skipped out on Bumblebee as a result. Right. 
and Bumble and Bumblebee was so good. Like you Bumblebee say, Bumblebee like, was so good. Like yeah. getting like actual story in with all these nostalgia properly properties. Yeah. So. So. Yeah, I mean, my greatest hope is that is that this means that we get a new live action Ninja Turtles movie um, that isn't a continuation of the of the Michael Bay produced films. Granted, like like I'm on the record as saying the second of those movies is actually probably one of the better Ninja Turtle movies. There are let's see, I think there are six Ninja Turtle movies because there's the original three the animated one, and then the two new live action ones. So yeah, there are six Ninja Turtle movies. And I would say the original Ninja Turtles movie is the best one by a long shot. The, the 2006, I think it's 2006. It's either 2006 or 2007 animated movie is the second best Ninja Turtles movie. And I would actually say that, uh, that, that um, I think it's called Out of the Shadows is the is the second of the new live action ones is the third best Ninja Turtles movie, um, and that's primarily because of Bebop and Rocksteady. But it actually like it does some really cool stuff. But I would love it if it was that good of a story. But Splinter wasn't a racist character that was just straight up cultural appropriation, um, and the Ninja Turtles didn't look like Shrek with shells. Um, if you could if you could fix those two things which actually you could because you could just take the plates from everything else and just replace the cg of the turtles and splinter and just get an actual japanese uh uh, you know what i won't even be that picky i mean like i think that you should just get like like one of the like six great japanese actors that work in hollywood today to to play splinter but you just grab just grab any asian actor um, I'll even allow like, like, like a Jackie Chan or something like that to voice Splinter because that's less racist than Tony Shalhoub playing Splinter, uh, and, and him being a ninja master because he, he read about ninjutsu in a book that he found in the sewer. That's, um, that's a little bit, that's a little bit hard to swallow, even in a movie about a giant talking rat and his four turtle sons. That's <laughs> it's a bridge too far. It's one of those things that I like. If you're gonna do a weird fantasy sci-fi story like that, you have to ground some of the story in a in a believable reality. Otherwise, you may as well just do random skits about ninjas punching turtles. Like it's nothing else needs to make any sense if 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 you don't ground it but um yeah my, i just really hope that we can get a good ninja turtles movie again one that actually takes the franchise seriously and and uh, as seriously as ninja turtles should be taken um i don't need a actual adult serious ninja turtles movie it should be for kids but um again it's the same thing that i'm talking about with ghostbusters it's just like it's just the amount of respect that it gets treated with right and like the first of those live action ones didn't treat the turtles with respect the second one did the second one was better but unfortunately it inherited a lot (laughs) of the problems that were established in the first one um yeah uh should we talk about frozen now sure I feel like I know much more about Frozen than I do about <laughs> Ghostbusters, so I can contribute in some sort of meaningful way. I'm going to let you take the lead, and I'll just interject if I feel like it's appropriate with Frozen. Oh, 
Well, now that's too much in the other direction. Now I have to like talk so much. I can't like, what didn't we talk about? I feel like we did talk about a lot of stuff on the previous Thunderquack, but I guess like to get really spoilery. We didn't get, yeah, we, we talked about like sort of larger thematic stuff, but we didn't get like into the weeds on yeah. Elsa's journey. I, I, like, I think a good place to start is in the concept that <laughs> I really hope they make it into a trilogy. Because if they make it into a trilogy, if they put out a third Frozen movie um, where they're all together and and um, and and the adventure is all like, oh, yeah, we're all uh, uh, back together again. And that's like the marketing. Then I'll be able to relate it into the conversation going on with the rise of Skywalker right now, where there's a lot of people who are like, oh, thank God. After The Last Jedi separating all of our heroes, we finally have a story where all three of them are back together again. <laughs> and it's like, well, um, actually, in The Force Awakens, the three characters are never on screen together. <laughs> like, not not once. Uh, I, maybe there's a brief moment after they get back where Finn is being wheeled off in the background and Poe might also be there and Rey is hugging Leia, that all three of them are on screen at once. But other than that... I, I apparently Poe never even met Ray until the end of the last Jedi. So, um, yeah, yeah. Like, uh, those characters got split up f- several times in that first movie and then split up again in the second movie. But it's like, there's a reason why you do that. Cause then you can bring them back together in the third movie, but also just wait in rise of Skywalker, the team's going to get split up. Finn and Poe are not going to be sitting off on the sidelines eating popcorn while Rey is fighting Kylo Ren and Palpatine. They will be somewhere else when that's happening. In fact, we know that Poe will be in an X-Wing and Finn will be riding horses on top of a Star Destroyer. Like that's It's very clear that's all happening in the third act. Um, but in the same way that The Last Jedi splits all of our heroes up so they can each, all three of them, go on separate journeys to discover themselves right to really find out what kind of um, person they are at their core that's what frozen 2 does it it in frozen we left everybody with a happily ever after which is how disney movies end and then we start frozen mm-hmm. 2 this is full spoilers everybody so like i'm gonna start going and it's gonna be full full <laughs> spoilers this is your last warning um we start it with this sort of melancholy um, contentment from all three of our main characters. Four, if you want to include Olaf, uh, I'd rather not. But uh, <laughs> actually, I, I'm, he's I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. Olaf but. is a lot better in Frozen too. He's still yeah. annoying, but he's yeah. a lot better. He's useless in the first Frozen. He doesn't even need to be in that movie. Um, <laughs> but uh, he's much better in the second one. I. Uh, uh, but we start in this place of like they've all kind of got their 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 lives not figured out, but they've all they all kind of they're they're all in a happy rut, which yeah. is not a bad place to be necessarily. But that, like I said, it's like this melancholy contentment of like the first big song is is uh, some things never change. And the whole song is like setting you up for their like the the most important thing is that we've got each other. And it's like, yeah. cool, 
So the end of act one is going to be all of you being separated from one another, right? Basically, uh, yep. And that's exactly what it is. Um, yep. So Anna is kind of like, I'm happy. I'm fine. I'm not alone anymore. Um, I've got my sister. I've got Kristoff. I've got Olaf. Um, and, and like, you know, the gates are open. The, the, the Arendelle is, everybody's happy. Everything's prosperous. It's great. Um, but you can kind of just get this sense that, that she feels like she doesn't really have a purpose Yeah. as much as she's got like, and I think her story is like, she got her happily ever after and then like. And then has to live the rest of her life. And she's like, okay, um, it was a lot easier to just be the queen's sister when the doors were locked and I didn't have to talk to anybody. And my biggest problem was just being bored all day. And now it's like, well, what do you do with your life, right? Right. Um, And then Kristoff's story starts from a place of like, I'm in love with this girl. She's the best thing that ever happened to me. I want to propose to her and he just can't figure out how to do it. Right. Yeah. Like he just like, he just, he, everything needs to be perfect. Right. Um, because it, cause she's a princess because blah, blah, blah. He's just an ice courier. Uh, and, and so he's got like this kind of pressure on him to, to make sure that it's the, that, that he does, that he does it in the right way. And then Elsa is feeling like there's, something else that she's supposed to do she like we start the movie and she's attending to her queenly duties and you can tell like her heart's not in it she just doesn't want to she doesn't want to be contained she doesn't want to be so like it which i think is the right direction because in the first movie she like she goes up to the castle like it creates an ice castle and she's singing about i'm finally free and i don't care that i'm alone because uh, there's no one to tell me what to do anymore and I can just live my life the way that I want to live it after living the last 12 years or however many years I, I hiding everything from everybody. I can do whatever, now I can do whatever I want. And then the end of that movie is, well, everything's fine. Come live in the castle again. <laughs> and it's like, okay, well, she can live in the castle. She can be the queen and she can use her powers and people aren't afraid of her, but she's kind of she feels trapped um and 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 in comes a a a retconned voice of all of the elements telling her to to follow it as the the main track from the entire movie into the unknown uh, uh implies right so that's kind of her story so everybody is like is they're good but not great is <laughs> kind yeah. of where we we meet them at the beginning of the story and Olaf is just upset because he's starting to realize that that like impermanence is a is a like like the 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 nature of the universe is decay and and he's just like man like when you're just a snowman who exists and then melts away you don't have to worry about this stuff but when you are when you have a, an actual life, it's like you see things change and die in front of you. And he's got some pretty funny stuff about like, just like, like these existential crises that I think we all have from time to time mm-hmm. when we realize our mortality, um, which sets up his death in the movie perfectly. Um, but then he comes back, so it doesn't really matter, but I, uh, it sets all that up really well. Um, so yeah, 
and then from there they go and they get separated. And but and I do think that the coolest thing in the journeys as well is seeing and I don't think people are talking about this too much, but that everybody does have an arc. One of the greatest things. So I went to go see the movie with <clears throat> six different girls, seven girls that I'm not really close with. It was just like a like a group of people that I know like through, like through friends of friends. And at the end of the movie, we genuinely were all like, "Oh, we're really glad that that was like finally Anna's story," or "Oh, we were really glad that that was finally Elsa's story." And we're like, "No, no, it's maybe it's more Anna's story than it is Elsa's story." But then realizing that they all have like. Are, well, all that they both have clear arcs where they go from one place to another and that it is a little like I mean because in my opinion I was like oh good it's finally like honest story and they were like no no this is Elsa's story and so it's just the fact that we could see it from those two separate like points of view was kind of cool um and and then and being like well what lens do you come in at this movie because I think Elsa being the breakaway hit from the first movie I don't consider Frozen to be necessarily about Elsa because I always relate to like, who is the straight man in the series and who is the one that is like grounded in the real world, dealing with real world problems that doesn't have magic that has to like get through. And so I think that they did an awesome job of telling us two almost separate stories where it's like the fantastical, how do you go from being having magic to being basically a God and uh, like that sort of fantastical storyline. And then also how do you go from being just a girl to a queen? Like they, they both have sort of these arcs that are like, be, they become greater than normal people, but they also like started in a very different place, which I just mm-hmm. think is kind of cool. So. Yeah. 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 And then Kristoff gets an arc as well, but his is a little bit more understated. Um, yeah. He kind of gets the short shrift again, but he gets the song. Come on. Oh, again, I went to go see it with a group of like women mm. about my age and we all freaked out during the Kristoff song because it's so like, oh my God, 80s and 90s boy bands. <laughs> what they're doing with these layouts is so great. Like, it's just so, come on. Like with the like face and the fade out and the, oh, it was so fun. I don't know. It just, they had a lot of fun with his character. I this- love I love that you use terms like layouts because you work in animation now. (laughs) So it's just, it's funny to hear you talk about animation because previous to working in animation, uh, you never would have used a term like layouts to describe. You would have been like this framing. Yeah. Right. But now you're like, oh yeah, these layouts, they're all so great. (laughs) And it's like, okay, that's, that's, that's animation Amanda talking now. Um, animation Amanda can't watch movies anymore without just being like, Oh my God, that's so expensive. Yeah. Why did they spend so much money on this shot? Are you kidding? Yeah, her, her hair at the end. Yeah, I know. That was, whole, like her hair, the outfit, because now like she's got this long flowing Cape again. And it's like, yeah. yeah. Um, I kept thinking about her outfits. I don't think people understand how expensive Elsa's outfits are. Yeah. Like the fact that, that like the, the layer over top that has transparency that you see through to the other under layer, like those two, two pieces of clothing the simulation budget on the show is insane because to not have those crash is like i don't know it's just it's just amazing like it's just really yeah. cool that um they but the other stuff. side of it is that they take five years to make these movies <laughs> as mean, opposed yeah. to the the timelines that you're usually on with it with with television right so um, feature, <laughs> yep. features a little bit different but um yeah i i i um 
I've heard from some people that they feel like the the this one's not as good as the original or that it's fine. I also saw some of the early reviews come in that were like, this is a bit of a lackluster story or whatever. And I'm like, it's not like the what the only problem I have with Frozen 2 is that it starts to veer into Pixar territory and that it's it's not as bad. As, as as Pixar gets with the like, we're gonna really um, uh, exploit your like these emotional tactics that we can do uh, in animation that are actually harder to do in live action because everything's exaggerated in animation. So it's really easy to pull at heartstrings with these characters because you can make them way cuter than a real human being. Right. Or way more vulnerable than a real human being or way more uh, powerful or whatever. Right. Like you can create power dynamics in animation um, that you that are that are trickier to pull off. So you can it's everything's heightened with animation. Right. Even just movement. Um, When when you when you learn about animation, you learn uh, that in order to make something look like it has weight and 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 uh and dimension uh you actually exaggerate it you do more than you would do even in in a live action film which is already exaggerated and heightened beyond reality right um but like squash and stretch is a really common term in animation and that's sort of the idea that um that everything kind of has like a bounciness like a fluid a fluidity that that we don't necessarily see in, in reality, but that actually gives us the impression that back in the day lines on a page or now basically pixels on a screen are, are actually moving um, and have weight behind them and, and, and dimension and all that sort of thing. Um, and like antic motion where I, I, a really good example of that is, is in the first frozen when uh, Anna punches Hans at the very end of the movie Um they actually kind of they 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 use it and then they pull back on it for effect because normally uh like in the beginning of her punch she goes to punch him in the face she draws back really really far and her arm kind of almost like like kind of like rubber bends a little bit further back than it should in order to get the force to punch him in the face and then they do the opposite of what you would normally do in animation and instead of her hand um squashing when it hits him like sort of getting a little bit of like a rubbery effect when it hits him in the face and his face doing that um and having a little bit more follow through her fist actually just stops right where his face is and he just flies backwards and it gives it like it plays with the the animation and then straight into like a real punch like a real human punch to another human's face um that's uh that that sort of plays on our expectation but like so like animation can do that reality it's harder to do that unless you're making the mask which is just cg characters doing that right but yeah yeah but um they they kind of start to veer into that territory with the more mature storytelling and going away from it being an actual kids movie like i think kara who is at this point three almost three and a half i uh, she could tell you the whole plot of of frozen and granted she's seen it probably about a hundred times at this point but that's not an exaggeration she's probably seen it about a hundred times uh, 
yeah, it's yeah. She just keeps going back. I mean, she's now that she's got the the shorts from that they did in between. Um, uh, she watches those more often right now because they're still newer to her. Um, and when right. Frozen Two comes out on digital and we get it for her, she'll probably just watch that over and over and over again. But even right after the movie, she had parts that she liked that she could tell you about. But if you asked her what that movie was about, like like what the plot was, she she wouldn't be able to to tell you right away. But but like she she's my daughter, so she's very good at following the plot of a movie because I've been taking her to movies since she was a year old, right? So a lot of the time she surprises us when she watches a TV show or a movie or whatever. And then like two days later, she tells us we'll be driving in the car and she'll be like, and then uh, Kermit and Fozzie get in the car and then they drive and they see Big Bird. And you're like, that's like a it's like a two second interaction in the Muppet movie that she saw like a year ago and she remembers that stuff. But with Frozen 2, because so much of it was like this sort of like heady depressing <laughs> uh, uh, mature adult storyline I uh, she just didn't connect with that part of it so what she talks about when she talks about that movie is she talks about the horse and she talks about Olaf and and um and she she, she likes it and she only car it and when Cassie is in the car as well they're the only ones who get the privilege of hearing me sing along to Disney music. Um, she really likes it when I sing Kristoff's song. Um, and she also likes it, but she, we also, I, I, I love is an open door from the first frozen. We, we sing that one together. So it's like a, it's a natural progression. Right. But um, like, that's really like, those are her takeaways from the movie. And when I talk to her about like, yeah, but isn't it really cool when, when Elsa, I uh, learns about her family and then she, and then she transforms and she gets her new outfit and Carl will just go like, eh, and just kind of shrug. <laughs> and I'm like, cause to me, that's like such an impactful moment in the movie. Everything builds up to, she's following this voice and she's uh, learning that she can calm all of these, these uh, elemental spirits. Um, and, and then she gets to this cave and discovers that like that she thinks that she's going to find the 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 fifth spirit right this this spirit that can control all four mm-hmm. of the elements and she gets there and she sings the song show yourself and that song is all about her discovering what we now understand i think that her mother kind of suspected or maybe knew from the moment that her powers showed up that like that's who she was like right. that she is the fifth spirit that is going to keep the balance and uh and and sort of right this wrong that uh that that their grandfather set into motion right mm-hmm. um when he when he threw the world out of balance wow there's a lot of parallels into star wars in this story <laughs> um man oh man that's crazy <laughs> i I, yeah so like that like that to me is like that's the heart of the movie and then the the other the other element is Anna's story of being being brought down from a place where she thinks she's got everything she ever wanted to realizing that um 
I said to Crystal, it's like they were the three of them are in a really unhealthy codependent relationship <laughs> that like they require each other in order to feel fulfilled. Um, right. Like, like, and that's it's Anna and Kristoff's stories kind of parallel each other in this way because Kristoff, I think in the beginning is like, I got to propose because I love her. So he's just like, it's just the idea of I've got to propose because I love her mm-hmm. and not, not the idea of, um, she completes him as a person. Like she makes him a better man than he is on his own. And right. that's why they, they like, he wants to marry her. Right. And that's sort of where he ends up is like, it's like, Oh, and there's, he's very selfish about it at the beginning. He's like, every time I try and propose to her, she just shrugs me off because she goes, she goes running off in some new direction um, and it's like, and that's what his song is about. And by the end of it, he realizes like, no, you marry her because she, like, she's your better half, not because she's a possession, right? Like it's, it's, it's yeah. super subtle. It's really, really between the lines because Kristoff's not a bad guy, right? Yeah. Like, so yeah. it's really hard to sort of put him in the position of like, for us to paint him, especially because he was meant to be the opposite of Hans in the first movie, who is that guy who's like, I'm at first, he's like, I'm going to marry this girl just so that I can take this position of power. And then later he's like, you know what? I don't need to marry either of them. I'll just murder both and and take Arendelle for myself. Um, But, uh, but then Kristoff is like the opposite of that, where he's like this very selfless heroic guy. Um, And, and so you put him in that position of like they kind of got they kind of have to like really subtly insert that subtext of he's he's thinking of her as something to like as a goal to achieve and not as a partner in his life and that's right. what by the end of it because one of the lyrics is is um, he says like you're she's is true north. And then, uh, like, she's his only landmark, so he's lost in the woods, right? Right. And, like, that's him saying, like, like, it it goes from, like, the unhealthy codependent to the proper, like, sort of partnership idea of, like, like, the unhealthy codependent is the beginning of the song where he's, like, he's, like, uh, you're off again, and I guess that's fine. Where he's, like, I'll, 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 I guess I'll just wait here for you when you come back. And it's like, that's a very selfish, very sort of resentful perspective. And then by the end of it, he's like, no, like I'm hurt right now because without you, I feel lost. Right. Yeah. That's, that's a me thing. So what I have to do is I have to tell you how much you mean to me. And that's the important part. It's not what I wear or how I like, like what, ceremony i use to propose it's like it's how i feel inside that's important and that's and at the end when he proposes he does it properly where he's just like there's not a better moment for me to say that i couldn't live without you please marry me right um and it becomes a very simple proposal in the end um but then for for anna it's sort of like her aspect her codependency is much more related to elsa of like she lived without her for so long shut out that now that she has her it's like if there's something wrong you have to tell me 
Mm-hmm. Right. And I think it's, it's, it kind it very much mirrors, um, the relationship with like a, 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 a family member or a friend or a loved one that, that has like a, like a mental health issue or something like that, where, um, once they get help and, and everybody's kind of like aware of this, uh, whatever it is, whether it's depression or anxiety or whatever, that people around them will then like kind of treat them with, with kid gloves and be like, are you okay? Like, are you, are you, are you sure this isn't, are you sure you're not having like an anxiety attack or something? Cause if you are like, I'll help. And that attitude can almost be like, it's, it's almost like suffocating to, to the person who's actually just trying to deal with their own problems. Right. Um, and it's like, well, if I ask you for help, then help otherwise, right. Like, like let me handle it myself, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. which is definitely their dynamic in this story. And it's her kind of having to, Anna has to be broken down and, and really like brought to her lowest point in order to realize that her strength shouldn't come from Elsa or Kristoff or even Olaf, but it needs to come from inside her. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's what her song is about. The, when she sings uh, the next right thing, like that's, and uh, it, uh, Crystal talked about it afterwards uh, very much. So like it, it really um, like mirrors depression and sort of yeah. like, like oh, yeah. that, like the crippling, like so depression, anxiety, like all of that sort of stuff um, where I mean, it's like, it's really hard to, to when you're in a depressive mode to like, think of getting out of it. Stuff. Yeah. But the first step is taking the first step. Right. Yeah. Um, which is true. I can honestly, like, I think that's true of basically anything, but, but, um, but yeah, like her song definitely mirrors that, that sort of a headspace. Like I said, this one's not really a kid's movie. <laughs> <laughs> Olaf's got a cute song, but, uh, and there's like, everything's kind of fun in the same way that frozen is fun, but frozen's a very simple story this movie is like there is no antagonist in frozen 2 even the 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 earth giants never really antagonize them they're just a threat but they're not malicious as much as they're just like they just do what they do um but then by the end they're happy and tame and all of that sort of stuff but but there really is no, there's no specific antagonist for sure. Uh, and even like Frozen kind of was a little bit waffly on that. Um, by the end, it's revealed that Hans is an antagonist, but it's like, it's for such a brief part of the movie that the first half of that movie, you're like, there's no bad guy here. There's just, it's just a situation. Right. But with this one, it's like that never resolves. It's like, I thought I was really expecting, um, uh, Sterling K. Brown's character, when Anna told him, for him mm-hmm. to be like, I know, right, right, like for for the the revelation that the grandfather, yeah. right, um, and I I actually found it really refreshing that he's like, well, you're, you're you're royalty, so like we serve you, like it, like, like yeah, I was just, I thought that I was protecting, the the prince and Mm -hmm. the king but like if you say that they're that he was actually the bad guy in all of this then i trust you 
and I'm going to protect you now, right? Like, I thought that was really refreshing rather than go down the other route, which would have, I think, been a little bit more of a trope of the, like, yeah, I know I've been, you know, maintaining that that lie for however many years it's been. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, but... um I don't know. I feel like I've now talked a lot about Frozen 2 and you haven't <laughs> talked as much. So talk some more about it. What's, uh, what's, which song's your favorite song? Well, I mean, the Into the Unknown obviously was, was fantastic. But I will say I thought that the, um, the like, Find Me or Find You or Who Are You or whatever that song was uh, that she sings as she's going into the cave show yourself is show that, yourself show yeah. yourself show yourself because at first i was like how is this a song about anything and then i realized like when you realize that like she's she's asking to to find herself right that mm-hmm. you're like oh there's so many meanings to the song which is cool because i when i was first watching it i didn't think into the unknown was like the big showstopper i thought it was that one because it came later in the movie and just in yeah. my brain like that was the, sh- the song for me and then afterwards i was like oh no it's into the unknown obviously but I still think show yourself was quite a, like it's, it's a really cool and beautiful song. Like I think everything in that ice cave, Oh, what was it? I don't know. There's just so so much stuff where I was like, Oh my God, this was so expensive and it's so beautiful Mm -hmm. and it pays off. And like, that was like a fun, I think for the people making it, that seems like a pretty fun sequence because it was less grounded in reality, right? Like they just got to sort of do, like some cool backgrounds and all sorts of stuff similar similar to let it go it's the moment when she really like like figures out who she is uses her powers to the fullest extent and really just kind of goes crazy with all of the different ice powers all at once yeah um now okay it's been a little while since i saw the movie obviously we saw it opening weekend um we saw it the first moment that we had the opportunity which was the saturday morning at 11 a.m um so it's been a little while since i've seen it um and i feel like there's a moment where she goes up to an ice wall and it kind of like defrosts and then like during show yourself and then it's her looking back at her right right is that in the movie that's in the movie right the 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 wall defrosts itself it's like it's like a frosty wall and then it like turns into a mirror basically Maybe. Oh, yeah. Like during the. Yeah. I, that seems to recall something like that. But it's not until she actually like realizes who she is because yeah. it it would be way later on because honestly, she doesn't realize that it's her until after the actual reveal of like the spirits or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Like but I, I, it was. Yeah, it was either in Frozen or it was in something else that I was watching. But it was like. I mean, that definitely happens that's straight in, out I, of Last Jedi. <laughs> is the one that happens in last jedi but I, yeah. you, like you might be right as well in this one and oh my gosh oh best thing ever did i wait no i already said this on the previous thing but my favorite moment in the movie was actually part of the audience when the little girl in the front row when they find out that um the the woman that saved the dad was the mom and she goes i knew it yeah, and yeah. everybody like looks at her and it's just it's just like really cute to like watch things in the context that like it's what makes and I talk about this, I don't, I feel like I have talked about this before, but the idea of like, what is the point of going to see something in a big group of people when you could just see it at home? And really mm-hmm. it is like that, like community viewing experience. And what do you get out of like going with people and like yeah. seeing it as like a, like a communal audience experience? Yeah. We went, we went with 
Curtis, uh, and, and his wife, Katie and their three kids, um, Peter, Milo and Samantha, uh, who, if you listen to, uh, uh, Disney dad's cartoon afternoon, you know, Peter and Milo from that podcast. Cause they do their, uh, podcast within a podcast over there. Yes. Um, now we haven't put out an episode in a very long time, but I, we went with them. I, I, cause, uh, Samantha, uh, their youngest is eight months older than Kara. And, uh, I, it's adorable. They're adorable. Yeah. Kids. They are super cute together. And, uh, I, I, we, we kind of do things at like our, our two families together. I, cause they're actually, um, Katie and Curtis are, are Cassie's godparents. So I, I was kind of act as a, as, as a big family when we go out. Um, so it was like, okay, Disney movie and Curtis and I had decided this a little while ago. Um, like, oh, when, like, we should all just go to Disney movies together. Like we all love Disney movies, like the whole family that I loves Disney movies. I, so let's like, like the night when the next one comes out, let's all go together. And so when I got tickets for frozen two, I was like, Hey, I just bought tickets. You guys should get tickets too. So they did. So we all went together and, uh, and, and, uh, Cara and Kath and, and, uh, Samantha, uh, sat next to each other. Uh, it, we had eight seats all, all, uh, cause Cassie didn't come with us. Uh, so we had eight seats, uh, total there were four in one row and then four right behind that row. So, uh, the, the, the girls all sat in the row in the front. So it was like Crystal and then Kara and then Samantha and then Katie. And then, uh, Curtis and I sat with the boys behind them. And, uh, and, and of course, Kara and Samantha held hands the entire time. It was the greatest. That's so cute. Um, but, uh, there's the moment when Olaf is lost. He's like separated from the group and he's calling out for everybody. And he's like, He's like, Anna, Elsa, Kristoff, Sven, Samantha, and <laughs> oh yeah, like the the eight of us all like looked at each other of like, oh. did did Olaf just yell out for Samantha? And then he's like, wait a second, I don't even know a Samantha, <laughs> and it was just it was so good. It was so it was such a. Aww. And it, like you say, like if we hadn't all gone to the movie together to watch it together, mm-hmm. uh, we wouldn't have experienced that moment with them. Right. So, right. Um, yeah, it's uh, I, yeah. Movies are always, always, always better with friends with the exception of super depressing or really dark movies uh, where you don't want to be judged for how much you enjoy them. That's Yeah. I feel like going to see Joker by myself was probably the right move. Uh, <laughs> the movies like that, where it's like, you know what? This I'm not gonna bring Crystal to this. I don't think that she would like it. I uh, yeah no. I I guess that that may have been an enjoyable experience with another human being, but um, Matthew, it's fine that you didn't need to. Get yeah, to, yeah. Um, no, but like the I I feel that the majority of movies definitely benefit from from being viewed at least on the first viewing with with other people i mean like for rise of skywalker i've got my tickets for my first two showings the first one obviously being that opening night uh on on the thursday night um and amanda you'll be there as well yeah Uh, and uh but then my uh my second screening is for the saturday morning with 
Kara to take her. Um, but then, and I don't have tickets for it yet, but I will probably buy tickets for either the Sunday or the Monday. Um, ticket so you can I go say. by yourself yeah because you go by yourself yeah. right and i'll just go by myself without any distraction so that mm-hmm. i can do my personal like view it and 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 like dig into it on my own without yeah. being concerned about anybody else around me um because even just I mean, like being with crystal it's even still like is she enjoying the movie right like oh do you want some popcorn do you want some some of these sour patch because like there's just that little stuff that that like when I'm by myself, I can really just like zone in. But like yeah. I said, that's for like the third viewing. I'm much more excited to watch it with all of our friends on the Thursday night and then to watch it with Kara. It'll be Kara's first Star Wars movie in the theater. Woo-hoo. She's seen Force Awakens. She's seen Force Awakens, The Last Jedi, uh, Empire, and Return of the Jedi. Um, we haven't watched any other ones. It's uh, interesting. Yeah. I uh, maybe we'll watch a Star Wars movie this weekend. I don't know. We're never home anymore. It's the holidays. I, Crystal has got stuff planned every day from now until January first, and I'm just like that's hilarious. I get to see Kara on Saturday. Yes, she's saying she's hanging out with me, and my dad actually like remembered because I told him that she was coming over, but he thought that she was over last Saturday because he was confused because I went to the symphony and he's like, you took Kara to the symphony? And I was like, no, I did not take her to the symphony. But I was like, oh man, maybe I should take her to the ballet or something. But I, I kind of just want to watch Frozen. So I don't know, hopefully, if she's seen it too many times. But maybe oh, we can watch Oh, you will be fine with that. You will be okay. fine watching Frozen with her. Um, I love that Kara is such an important part of your life that your <laughs> parents are like concerned with oh, like you took you took a three-year-old to the symphony <laughs> and it's like i like i really appreciate the concern because it's like yeah i maybe unchecked you might take car to the symphony i don't know <laughs> yeah right but i, I yeah. but uh it's it's just it's just it's funny to me that's uh yeah. you obviously talk about her enough to your parents that i do yeah that they, they that they know her and and uh know that she's coming for a sleepover it's a big deal this is her yeah. first this is her first sleepover other than at grandma's. So I'm very excited. I've been getting, I have done garbage with my Christmas shopping. I have a secret Santa on Friday. That's happening that I like have not bought a present for. So I'm like, just really hoping nothing goes wrong tomorrow and I can go do it after work. But, um, I have definitely like over the last like few weeks been buying like little things here and there where I was like, Oh, this is going to be so much fun to do with Kara at my house. So it's just like little things that we can do. But I, I don't know. I feel like I've lost some of them because I've like got them over the course. But like, I, I need to actually buy like real presents now <laughs> because instead I'm just like, no, I'll get a little thing for Kara. <laughs> and then I'm like, but now I have no actual Christmas gift for her because it's all just stuff that I'm like, no, I'm going to be the fun aunt and we're going to do all these things. <laughs> She's just going to think my house is full of presents for her. So you know what? She thinks that uh, she is just spoiled. <laughs> rotten yes and yeah she um i she actually said to us tonight uh i when we got home we were talking about oh and on saturday saturday is a packed day on saturday we're going to bubby and papa's to to ice cookies in the Ooh. morning like we're starting our morning like the first place we have to be is like 10 a.m we got to be at my parents <laughs> to ice sugar cookies for santa claus and whatnot um and then after that, we're going to go ice skating. 
with uh with with my brother with with uncle uncle anthony and auntie viola uh and then after that we're we're dropping her with with you for her sleepover and she so we're going over this with her because the most important part of having a toddler is managing expectations so you need to start telling them what you what they're going to be doing three days before they have to do it um because then like a you get them hyped up for it so they forget to be scared um, right. of like, oh, I'm staying at somebody's house for the first time. That's not, you know, somebody that I, I, I see five times a week. Um, right. Yeah. So like, there's that element of it. It's like, just get her so excited for it that she doesn't even think like, <laughs> to be you know, scared, where's, yeah. where's mommy, where's daddy, yeah. like that sort of thing. Um, yeah. But so like, we're prepping her for it and telling her what to expect on Saturday and how crazy a day it's going to be. And she says, she says, I, can we go and can we buy an Anna, Anna pajamas? She calls, she calls them pajamas because she's an adorable three and a half year old. Uh, we buy Anna pajamas for my sleepover. Aww. And we were, Crystal and I were both instantly like, no, this kid has like 15 pairs of pajamas. She doesn't need another pair of pajamas. And we just bought her Elsa pajamas because her friend had a, a, a birthday party a couple weeks ago. And the theme of the birthday party, it was first thing in the morning sort of thing. Like it was like at 10 a.m. And it was a pajama brunch birthday party. So they had like the cake was a donut cake. Like it was it sounded like a really good birthday party but i don't particularly uh want to spend my morning at a at a three-year-old's birthday party so i uh i i opted out but um but yeah like so she just got a brand new pair of very fancy elsa pajamas that even has like a little tutu have you seen it did you see it when when you were over uh you guys send me photos of her wearing different things a lot so it's quite possible that i do i do have a photo Um, of it yeah. So yeah, it's like yeah, no, you don't need to. We don't. <laughs> we're not buying you another pair of. I can't like and the Disney ones. I mean, I guess if we went to Walmart, they're probably cheaper. But at the Disney store, it's like a pair of toddler pajamas is like thirty oh. bucks. It's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, that was like a special thing, and she. But she's under the impression that if you're gonna go somewhere to sleep over, you need to go buy a brand new pair of pajamas. And I, I don't know where she gets. She's a girl, that from. She's a girl after my own heart. Yeah. I tell you, it's good. I, she's got the right idea. Despite the fact that she loves, <laughs> uh, she loves Power Rangers, Ninja Turtles, Ghostbusters. She's on a real Ghostbusters kick right now because we watched the trailer. Um, nice. You know, I, I, uh, Star Wars, all. <laughs> All of the stuff that I have purposefully exposed her to and gotten her excited about that is all very, I think, boy centric stuff like like uh, male coded, let's say, uh, to use it, uh, yeah. the 2019 terminology, um, despite all of that. And, and some might even say my best efforts. She <laughs> is such a girly girl. And it, the weird part about that is that Crystal is not a girly girl. <laughs> so it's not coming from me. It's not coming from Crystal. Um, so Crystal and I have talked about it many times. The only place it could possibly be coming is from Auntie Mandy. <laughs> so uh, this weekend she's going to come back afterwards and she's going to be asking for 
gold-plated diamond tiaras and <laughs> oh we should wear a tiara that's a good idea <laughs> see yeah no, good <laughs> i love it it's a good influence awesome it uh, could be that society sucks and she's getting exposed to a lot of female coded imagery in society as well yeah, but yeah. i'll happily take blame for a little bit of Kara's personality she's lovely um yeah no but oh. we we do work on it we try <laughs> we do our best to make sure that as much as she's a girly girl that she knows uh, not to take any gruff from the patriarchy. Uh, good, good job, lady. Yeah. Good job. Um, cool. Well, I, I, the only other thing that I will say, and we don't need to talk about it in detail. We'll talk about it on Quiver when we're back in January. But mm-hmm. I, I, I've just got YouTube open to the homepage, and there's the the Smallville scene from the oh, Crisis that, crossover, yeah. and. Um, I just want to remark on a podcast tonight that that <laughs> it's <laughs> perfect. I don't know that there's some people who are mad that he yeah. gave up his powers. There are some people who literally take the position that Lex Luthor takes in that scene. But um, yeah, I love it. I love yeah. that 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 he's that. I guess this is spoilers if you're not caught up on cross crisis, but. Um, yeah, Clark Clark from Smallville gives up his powers so that he can have kids with Lois and just raise their kids on the farm. And that's uh That's, that's so perfect. Well, I came off of um so I've been podcasting since six o'clock. I it, it this has been like a five hour podcast. You're having a mic day. I'm having a mic day, yeah, it's weird. Um, but I will say actually the crossover podcast I we did today was really good. Like I don't think I think it's one of my favorites that I've been on so far. It was really just well run. And like the, the comments and stuff are really good, but a real big part of it is that I can't remember who it was, was making the comments, but their favorite part about the Smallville thing is that literally like the, the motto for Smallville for so long was no flights, no tights. Right. Mm -hmm. And that you have this, this hero who didn't want to be Superman. And so somebody said on the podcast and it made me open my eyes a little bit to it where I was like, Oh, that makes sense. Where Clark finally got what he wanted. He doesn't have superpowers anymore. He's just a regular dude. And it's sort of, it's sort of, if people are like, that's contrary, like, what is the point of Smallville? Then it's like, well, no, he didn't want to be Superman. That's not, he never aspired to be Superman. He was Clark Kent. Like that's the show was about Clark Kent and like finding out about Cal Allen. Look at at the interest, the interesting result of him not having powers is that uh, his Lex Luthor, uh, the Michael Rosenbaum Lex is president um but he doesn't seem to really have a problem with that yeah and uh and lex doesn't seem to have a problem with clark so maybe as we've talked about many times with the character of lex luthor Mm -hmm. in the absence of superman to take up all of his like his his mental space he actually just like makes the world a better place he just he lex actually becomes a hero because he's like well i know i won Superman, like yeah. maybe, ooh, maybe here's here's my own canon now, fanship canon that he that Clark let Lex take his powers yeah. so that Lex would become a better like human yeah. and Clark would get everything he wanted. But anyways, and it's there's something really poignant to the fact yeah. too that he has girls. Like it's really yeah. cool. Yeah, got, like, I'm gonna choose to believe that uh, that that he and Lex after a couple of years of like of fighting it out that eventually Clark like realizes like, wait a second, what am I doing? This is my friend. Yeah. He needs my, he needs help. Not 
he needs me to help him not fight him. Yeah. And he like reveals that he's Superman. And then through all of that, it's like they come to turn, like they, they, they work it out. And, uh, and Lex becomes a better person because of it, because he has the support of the brother that he always wanted. Yeah. And, uh, and so that piece of him that he felt was missing is now whole. And then Superman's like, I don't need to be Superman because the world is safe in your hands as yeah. the president. And, uh, and, and so he gives up his powers and goes and it's like, and uncle Lex visits every once in a while. And that would mirror the relationship not that the relationship between Michael Rosenbaum and Tom Welling was ever rocky, but like they were on this show for so long and then he left and Tom kept doing the show and then they were friends, but not, but didn't really hang out. And then in the last couple of years, they started hanging out like through podcasts and stuff and doing conventions together all the time. And so like that now they're like best buds again. And it's like, I would love it if the, if the Smallville storyline mirrored that, that real life story, um, of of these of these two guys being pals, I, I and the brilliance I, the brilliance of it being so short is that it can exactly we can, we can exactly. just imagine that that's what it is. But and and Clark has I'm gonna like she says Lois says girls, so I mean like that could be it's any plural anything more than two, uh, yeah. two or more. But I'm gonna choose to believe that in the same way that I have two daughters, Clark Kent and Lois Lane, the best Clark Kent and Lois Lane. Oh, also yeah. have two daughters, yeah. uh, just like Crystal and I do, and that's why uh, the world is perfect, and uh, and good. Smallville is the best Superman story ever. And that the little girls play with the dump trucks in the in the in the in the uh, dirt. I do like yeah. that as like an implied like. Anyways, it's very cool. It's very cute. And yeah. I don't know. It, it was it was it was what I, I it, it was so unnecessary to the story yeah. and I don't even care. I'm here for it. It was you know? perfectly satisfying because at the yeah. end of all of that, which is, I wouldn't even, I won't say anticlimactic, but, but the build up to, Oh my God, we're going to see Smallville Clark Kent again. Smallville Clark Kent is Tom Welling, Tom Welling, Tom Welling. So exciting. And then mm-hmm. for it to be like, I don't have any powers. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then Lex gets so mad about it. And then, I, I and then he goes to punch him and when he just catches his hand and decks him and he just goes yeah. flying backwards it's like I'm still stronger <laughs> yeah it's, it's so, so satisfying because that's what I I say that about Clark Kent all the time like and like um there are stories where it's like oh and he goes back to Krypton and he's just a regular guy and I'm always like yeah a regular guy that's six four and, <laughs> and yeah. like three feet wide like four feet wide for Clark Kent, like for, especially for the Tom Welling Clark Kent, like he still looks like a linebacker. Yeah. So, and you're still John Cryer. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can try and punch him. He's still going to beat the snot out of you. Um, uh, but he doesn't have to, all he has to do is punch you once and then you run away crying. Um, yeah. So I love that. I love that Lex Luthor in that moment, uh, the most despicable one, I think, um, John Cryer is actually really good as Lex. Um, the most despicable Lex on screen. I uh, he 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 can't even defeat a powerless Superman. So how grumpy is that going to make him in future <laughs> encounters with Superman? I. Uh, but yeah, I I. That's it for this episode. That's it for Thunderquack Podcast for 2019. Let's be honest. Yeah. yeah. I I. I'm done podcasting now until the end of the year. Yeah. Um, and, uh, well, actually, 
we should oh, probably do yeah i don't know if we want to do our rise of skywalker thing right away unless we just want to do a spoiler cast for rise of skywalker and then do the do the ranked after we've both had the chance to see it a few more times i think that's a good because i'm gonna definitely like make my family go to, to it yep. over christmas as well as well figured. a couple more times with friends so yeah, yeah let's do it in the new year okay uh yeah cool so i yeah everybody have a a fun and safe and and happy holiday i just so you all uh know everybody is having stress and anxiety about having to see family uh so (laughs) you are not alone everybody has to deal with it um even people with with functional families like amanda uh, I'm sure she's still got her own stuff that she doesn't want to deal with when she goes home. Um, uh, so yeah, you're not alone. Uh, and I know that that like, that's the toughest part of the holidays for a lot of people is, is, uh, going home and, and it's sort of the double edged sword of it's great to see family, but man, does it suck seeing family. Yeah. Uh, and also, and, and for those of those, some people, the stress and anxiety is because they don't have the family to go back to. Yeah. And that's just like, it's, it's a stressful time. We understand it, yeah. but there's always somebody that's in a similar situation to you, which is yeah. kind of, kind of nice. And, uh, yeah. and it's like a nice reprieve to realize that you're not alone in your feelings. And if you're listening to this, you're part of the Thunderquack family. So, you know, you're fine. Yeah. You're fine. yeah. Uh, awesome. Well, on that very saccharine holiday message, uh, thanks for listening and uh, and we'll we'll catch you guys on the next Thunderquack podcast. Bye. <laughs>